with a Dalek And hug him underneath the mistletoe And if he's very nice, I'll feed him sugar spice And hang a Christmas stocking from his big left toe And when we both get up on Christmas morning I'll kiss him on his chrome-inflated head And take him in to say hi to Mum Hello, I'm Peter. And I'm Dave. And a belated Merry Christmas and welcome back beyond the sofa. So this evening, primarily, we're going to do a quick whistle through the episode that was the finale of Peter Capaldi's 12th Doctor, Twice Upon a Time Lord. But before we get cracking onto that, Dave, how was your Christmas? Oh, absolutely manic. We've got some guests from overseas and combined that with my family, we had 20 people for Christmas dinner. That's unnecessary. Yes, and people coping with jet lag and trying to organise holiday stuff for them to do during the week where nothing happens. So, yeah. Of course, you're in a tourist town. I guess that matters. That that changes things? Uh, I don't really know. Um, when when they're <laughs> so jet lagged, they don't get up to 11 anyway. Mm-hmm. Mm. <laughs> well, here in Wellington, we've gone from water restrictions to a cold front and torrential rain. It's been very strange. The farmers must love it, though. Well, if it's enough to break the drought, it'll be good news. But uh, so far, the cracks in my lawn are filling, so that's good. Mm-hmm. Christmas swag, pretty limited. It all goes to uh, to Junior these days, so yes. nothing to report there. I have Lego Envy this year, I must admit. My son got a got a Star Wars speeder bike with figure in mm-hmm. Lego. Vader transformation for us, mm-hmm. which has been long awaited. And just a little bonus from Ninjago as well. Speaking of Christmas presents and things coming at once, this year's Doctor Who Christmas special. Indeed. Was it a... Uh, special? Was it, was it a very special present or was it a squashy set swimmer at the bottom of your stocking, Peter? It was okay. I think there were several questions in that. I mean, I, I sort of tend to want to take a bit of a step back and say, was it a good story? Was it a good special? Was it a good Christmas special? Was it a good finale? It happened to have to be all of those things, which is no mean task mm. at this time of year, at this time in a doctor's lifetime. I almost think that in having to tick all of those boxes, it managed to tick none of them satisfactorily. Mm, I don't know. I, I came out of it feeling suitably good. I came out of it feeling I wish I could see more of Capaldi, but was happy to see the end of the era, if that makes any sense. Hmm. While I don't think it was particularly a, a great finale, I think it was a very good coda. Yeah, definitely much more of a coda than a finale. I mean, one mm. thing that finales tend to have is a climax, mm. and there was none in this, unless you count the standoff in the crater, which we started off with. Yeah, well, maybe maybe we'll come back to that. I'd be very intrigued, and again, I'm not going to get round to it for a very long time, because my rewatch is stalling in the middle of the chase, but... How, you know, we've had six months to come out of the end of the last season with pretty much a gut-wrenching, take that how you will, last episode. Mm. And how the coda would work in closer proximity to it. I mean, we've had six months to digest and smooth the edges off our bill angst. I would say, as a footnote, see Face the Raven. Mm. Really? Or see The Angels Take Manhattan or something like that. We are talking about an episode which ticks a lot of boxes that when you think about it, we have seen before. And I'd love to see a good filking band doing a Pink Floyd cover of, Hey, Moffat, what? Leave the dead alone. 
It's a bit of a worry, isn't it? There's elements of death in heaven mm-hmm. in how mm-hmm. every dead person gets fiddled with. But there's also how they're taken out of time is effectively Clara again. And it, while I enjoyed the episode, it doesn't bear much scrutiny because it doesn't quite hold up to anything other than a sort of greatest hits album, which is probably an unfair comparison. It doesn't need to be more than that. But when you start picking at the bits, oh, yeah, we've seen that before. Oh, yeah, we've seen that before. Oh, yeah, I've seen that before. Well, then we're down to the sort of the craft of the greatest hits album. And for me, a really good greatest hits album hits all of those notes. It mm. provides something that thrills, something that engages, something that moves, something that makes you think. And I'm, as I say, I'm not sure whether that was there. Did it come across to you as very much the story that was written by Stephen Moffat, who was persuaded to stay? For, for do, just doing the story? Mm. Uh, a little bit. It, it, it was pulling a lot of rabbits out of old hats. The stuff that really moved me was the, the armistice stuff mm-hmm. uh, and the actual Christmassy elements of the story that we've not done in Doctor Who before. But the Hartnell portrayal, well, excellent. Uh, I, you can't fault the acting. That wasn't Bill Hartnell. It was the Bill Hartnell of memory, which may be apt for the theme. That is actually sort of the greatest hits aspect of it because he, he uh, David Bradley, for, for all of his craft, was essentially playing a caricature as much yes. as Richard Herndl was playing a caricature in The Five Doctors. I'd say even more so. I mean, mm. the, shall we, if this is something we do for the um, We're Equals Dare podcast, <laughs> shall we play the, the klaxon and, and shall we just talk about the sexism? <laughs> of the first Doctor, because that was never there before. The, the whole smack bottom reference, when he was talking to his granddaughter once, yes, mm. does not a character make. Yeah, I'd like to, your opinion, given that you've done the the marathon, or, or a lot more of the marathon than I have. Is sexism a trait of Hartnell's Doctor? I mean, we, we can no. pretty much agree that it's a trait of Hartnell. And I would argue that there is the aspect that Doctors and their actors tend to merge with time like like we've seen with Pertwee and we've seen with Baker. I think the most telling thing about it is you have the companion Bill who again, Pearl Mackie was doing all her best acting but the companion wasn't Bill because it wasn't Bill and that was ladled on a bit thick with all the glass Barbie stuff but two early Edwardian type characters talking to Bill and this is going to sound horrible, talking to a black character and not acknowledging that, but joking about her gender. And that just sort of, for me, highlighted the fact this is this is all about gender and we're going to play a big gender card by the end of the episode. Mm. And it's not about Bill Hartnell's doctor being sexist. It's about let's highlight how much of an old fuddy-duddy idea this is and parody it up front, which I thought was a bit... Overplayed? Possibly, yes. Mm. I saw a forum, people who said they're not going to watch it because they've heard about the way they've treated the character. And I'm looking at it going, you could do a fan edit and cut all the bits out because they're they're quite neatly pigeon-dropped in there to almost set pieces every 13 minutes. Mm. And you could actually cut the scene with the smacked bottom out, or the smacked bottom bit out. You could cut the the scene about Polly doing the dusting out, which is something Polly never did. Mm Mm-hmm chop those bits out, and the story isn't diminished by it. The character's not defined by it. But but even then, that's even more egregious, because if those jokes go nowhere, then they serve no purpose. 
that they do set up the wonderful line where they go, oh, well, I'm sorry, young lady, we know we know a lot about women. Yeah, so do I. I thought that was actually quite well played, but yeah, but we sort of had that. But there was a bit of a bum note about it. It wasn't enough to break the show for me. But if anyone says it was for them, I don't think I've got much of an argument against it because it does seem to be ladled on a bit with a trowel. Seemed to sort of chime with the idea that maybe there's a bit more of one agenda being played mm. than another. Mm. And I think some have sort of said, ah, yes, but you know, this year's been all about X. Well, a lot of the X that we might talk about, whether it's the Me Too campaign and so forth, mm. occurred after the story was made, at least came to light in the media i don't think it's about the wider world i think it's a yeah when the tardis explodes at the end and throws the new female doctor out are we meant to assume (laughs) that ian levine is a tardis or the tardis is a fan of that vintage of that mentality of that ilk well that scene is written by chibnall ah okay well fair enough so it, it is a literal and a figurative tipping out speaking of two writers two writers in a trench with guns can't end up well I know. <laughs> Anyone who doesn't know, Mark Gatiss and Toby Whitehouse were playing... Two members of the production team. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> I did note that. Rather neat. Mm. Harking back to the sexism of the first Doctor portrayed here, I mm. suppose we might see it more in Big Finishes. And again, I didn't even know it was coming but until I got a wee email on Christmas Day. First Doctor Adventures mm-hmm. with the new First Doctor and the new First Doctor Tardisk team. Oh, from Adventure and... Time and space. Oh, yes, I was aware of that, yeah. I haven't had a chance to to get it or listen to it yet, but I think it'll be interesting to see a different portrayal by David Bradley of the First Doctor. Well, I hope a more nuanced portrayal. Mm. I'd heard that there were going to be some little sort of digs here and there. I didn't expect there to be so many, and I found them just to be a little bit too many. Mm. I'd never thought that Arnold's Doctor was particularly sexist. I mean, he is the product of a time which we would now regard as being chauvinistic Mm. but you're still supposed to believe that he's not a creation of the 60s within the series he's an alien scientist even so i mean that line there's that love it's a very love it's a funny line but have you turned my tardis into a restaurant for the french but the first doctor loved the french he did (laughs) yeah so it's it's sort of just just things like that made it obvious it was a caricature and it was a little bit of a dud note but Mm -hmm. so was extra tall ben and not polly you know, it, mm. there's, there is an element of us being fans who know stories from well before we were born complaining. But it, it does present the wrong face of the history of the show, I think. And yet so much fan service that the first Doctor going around the 12th Doctor's TARDIS and complaining about the, the ratio of the windows. Even more so, the old visual effects designer's name on the TARDIS console. Mm. Are we on to things we noticed? Because... I have an absolute favourite thing in the episode. They reach the planet of Rusty. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's it called? Uh, Villengard from The Doctor Dances. Okay. Yes. When Capaldi's Doctor steps out of the TARDIS, it's an exterior shot and he's stepping out onto mm. the planet. When Bradley's Doctor steps out onto the planet, it's from the inside of the spaceship. Mm-hmm. He opens the door and you see the set of the planet behind him. Mm-hmm. The floor is completely uninterrupted from the inside of the TARDIS to the planet's surface. Mm -hmm. So it's still the same studio floor, still slightly shining. It's beautiful. And very reminiscent of occasional things like that you might see in the original series. It's a lovely tacit Mm. and quiet acknowledgement of the fact that this is the same set. Mm. And I thought it was lovely. 
that no one made mention of it. It wasn't lingered on or mm. anything. I really like the Dalek mutants because while I realised later, I actually it's the Daleks take Manhattan. I remember in the mm. book of the 60s, you've got an illustration by, I think it was Ray Cusack, of what's really in a Dalek. And it sort of looked like that, even though they, you, you, they were a blur and you miss it. I thought that was quite neat. And Rusty, I was actually surprised it was Rusty. I was half expecting a shielder mm. to show up. And props to um, Nick Briggs' voice of the Daleks, managed to put a bit of character into it. Mm. Very much a, a, a different Dalek voice to the various Dalek voices he does. And it's got me wondering, is Rusty the Dalek and Dalek? Because that would be a nice symmetry, but I think we're, we're stretching too far to, to nail, Possibly. To nail Possibly, continuity yeah. everywhere. Can I ask you a question, Peter? Yes. When did you twig who the captain was? I thought the fact that they weren't mentioning his name, I thought, oh, possibly. And then I sort of put my mind back on it. But there was one bit, what does he say? He talked about Chroma. Ah, oh, I missed that. Okay, yes. His home is Chroma. Right. Um, and I thought, oh, really, you're going to do that? Yeah, yeah. I think because that's when he's talking about his boys mm-hmm. growing up. That's when I sort of went, boys, ah. But I missed the Chroma thing. So, all important question, is he the Briggs father or grandfather? I'm believing he has to be grandfather. Because trust Gatiss not only to be cast in Capaldi's last story, but to be literally cast as the unit dating conspiracy. Well, even if, even if he's not the unit dating conspiracy, I think he's still 1914. The Brigadier wasn't born then. Mm. And so I'm assuming that... He's grandfather. He's the grandfather. It just makes, I, I think it makes the dates tidier, but uh, uh, who knows? <laughs> <laughs> who knows? But here's a question for you if we want to get into big conspiracy mm. theories. Are the mm-hmm. Brigadier and Lazarus related? No, no, they're no more related than the first Doctor and Solomon are related, or the sixth Doctor and Maxwell. Okay, okay. And everybody uh, Christopher Benjamin's ever played in the series. (laughs) (laughs) Or Dennis Lil. (laughs) Or Cyril Shapps. I mean, there was lots to enjoy, and and as a fan, I do like a little bit of fan service occasionally, especially if it's taking the piss out of the glasses. Although it's, it's, I, I do feel a bit, it's, it's like being said, if you disagree with me, you must be a Nazi. It's like, if you disagree about the glasses, you must be a sexist old bigot. <laughs> or, or, or permission to also be the war doctor, because I think John Hurt had a good line in that sort of thing as well. Yes, that, well, for, that's true. Um, Day of the Doctor. Yeah. And this episode, for its philandling of past doctors, was an, an element of that. I think I think it retread elements of Day of the Doctor quite mm-hmm quite obviously, but I think reasonably successfully. You're going to have to sort of take the rough with the smooth. Again, it's a best of album. Yeah, the greatest hits, shall we say. <laughs> Murray's gold theme from his first run, I don't know if that's his attempt to book in things like Villingard books things for Moffat or whatever, or the Doctor falling out of the TARDIS at the end like Matt Smith fell out, was nearly falling out of the TARDIS at the start, I don't know. Mm. But I found the old yeah, ninth Doctor theme stuck out like a sore thumb. There were some nice little variations of it with different instruments, but when it was sort of dropped into the middle of a scene, it's sort of, oh, mm. oh, oh dear. And Nardole's back. Hooray! Yes. Yeah, that was nice. <laughs> Glass nipples and all. And Clara's back. Hooray! Mm. But again, best of sort of... I, I'm, I, don't, I feel bad about saying it's a retread of Amy doing the same thing, because they've only done it twice. And mm. It's maybe a tacit acknowledgement that Clara's actually dead and somehow her memory's been taken on board things. 
I'm happy to see it go by. Mm. Not nastily, not, nothing against Jericho. Pointedly, no River. I know she wasn't a companion of the Twelfth Doctor, but... I, I think River had her swan song mm. two Christmases ago. Hmm. So I, I think we're done there. I do wonder if the Clara thing was as much an element of mopping up as it was to nostalgia. Mm-hmm. Speaking of nostalgia, while I remember, the recreation of Hartnell's regeneration. Oh, I thought that was really nice. I thought it was lovely. I also really loved uh, previously on Doctor Who 709 episodes ago. Oh, yeah. Fourth wall. <laughs> yes, but, but pre-credit sequences... Yeah, previously on the show is a fourth wall breaking mm. thing anyway. But mm. um, I'm sure there are people out there counting to see if Shadows can included or not. <laughs> and the, the new incumbent. Didn't expect to see much. No. Could you work out what she said? Uh, yes. <laughs> no, no, I had more trouble with some of Capaldi's lines at a couple of points because he was a little bit muttery and introverted, but that just could be me uh, not listening. No, whenever he gets... Mumbly and introverted. That's when Murray turns the volume up as well. Yeah, well, that probably doesn't help. Um, I didn't. I still haven't heard the Mister Pastry line. Oh, I've heard the Mister Pastry line. There's Mister Pastry, the Mary, Berry Mary Berry, Corporal Jones. Yes, yes, I heard. A very eclectic mix of references. Mm. Speaking of Capaldi's lines, the VOL speech, unaccustomed as I am to public speaking. I, I did get to the end of that with. Uh, <laughs> well done. Nearly a tenant esque. <laughs> oh, for God's sake! Hurry up. <laughs> I did better than the missus. She made a point of tuning in, but got very, very impatient with that. Yeah, although I have to say, I let you go, Doctor, or whatever the line is, is much better than I don't want to go. Mm-hmm. Yes. It's yeah, a much more positive departure, even though, you know, those last few minutes are equally as tedious. But on the whole, I'd say this is my favourite Christmassy special to date, because it's fun, and it's I found mm. elements of it uplifting. Or at least it's my favourite Christmas special in the past five or six years this is probably my favorite christmas special that regenerates a doctor yep and i don't count christmas invasion that's the other end of the equation yeah hmm. and will we see the tardis next year is the tardis gone burgers that looked a bit def- that looked a bit uh i don't think it's gone forever but i do wonder if we're going to be tardisless for a while if we don't i think it's a rather neat conceit hmm. and it's now established in a new series that you can grow a new tardis perhaps Chibnall will be cheeky enough to uh, have a torchwood nod somewhere, but mm, probably not. I got a feeling of finality about lots of things, and I do wonder mm. if we're actually... You get the vibe that maybe the TARDIS is gone and the Doctor's going to have to survive in the feral, shall we say. And mm. we're 11 years and maybe we're talking about as much of a revamp as the early Pertwee stories were. So this was played out in the the BBC books, wasn't it? Was it with the, the burning? And stories oh, of yes. the Eighth Doctor stuck on Earth. Eighth Doctor has amnesia and lives through the 20th century. Yeah, that's right. Mm. And he's TARDISless. I hadn't thought of that. It's been a long time since I read those books. And I do remember as a conceit, it got very boring very quick to me. Mm. I think what, all we can say is Chibnall's got something planned. Mm-hmm. But I'd be very wary to try and pick what it is. I've heard rumours, but I'm happy for them to stay rumours. For the while. I think I think we'll worry about that closer to the time. I, I don't believe they've even started production yet, so hmm. suck it and see when it arrives. Yeah, I mean there'll be lots of theories going around hmm. already. Uh, what city is the Thirteenth Doctor falling towards? Was the sonic screwdriver in a hand? 
just whatever comes off the top of my head. How did the footwear change from trainers in the battlefield to boots in the TARDIS? Oh, because the doctor's clothes regenerate just as Hartnell's did. Look, (laughs) guys, don't worry about it. If that's the level of things you're worried about, you're turning into me. (laughs) Don't turn into David. Don't turn into David. It'd be a bad, bad move. I I think I'm done. Are you on anything else? Not much of a story. No, and but I don't think it was meant to be. It, not that it doesn't hang together as a story, but it's more of a reason for the Doctor to go from A to V while talking to himself. Hmm. Even the villains aren't villains, although they are very sinister when you try and put some thought into it. Exactly. He's essentially buying into an advertisement, which he's seen over the Dalek Hive channel. So hmm. who stands to profit from the Testament Corporation? Why do they want that information? Where's it going? Yeah, but I think the Doctor does some hand-waving and they're not really bad guys and you're just meant to sort of take it as written and everyone has a happy afterlife. Like Danny. And the Dalek Hive Network also knows of the Testament Foundation. Yeah, but they knew about them before. Again, we don't know how much the Daleks are Daleks anymore as well. What we see have mutated and evolved. And it's been millennia. You're being very generous, Dave. You are the Christmas spirit. Yeah, well, yeah. Look, (laughs) given the nature of the story and the issues of how they dealt with the First Doctor and other things, even though I came out of it feeling good, I think Mm. worrying about it is just going to hiding to nowhere. Mm. It's the feel-good, hand-wavy, see, I'm off out the door, don't worry about this anymore, I'll tie up some loose ends with Clara and gone. Do you know, I think that's probably the best way to deal with it. Mm. If this episode wasn't for you, then I like your suggestion, Dave, that it is a coda. Mm. That it's it's a bit, bit of a time crash, a high-budget time crash with a really good director, by the way. Oh, yeah, excellent direction. Excellent performances, excellent direction. Some beautiful light. I mean, Rachel Talladeh really does light well. The stuff on the battlefield looked absolutely awesome. Yeah. And the, the time freezes and, yeah. And even the moments of darkness, you know, the Charoscuro effect of playing some beautiful shadow on Bradley's face and on Capaldi's face. I mean, mm. they're both faces that, that work with deep shadow really, really well. Mm. It was lovely. And a wee shout-out to Mark Gatiss. I know I'm a bit hot and cold on him, but I thought he was good in this episode. I think it was an excellent show, and I think if it wasn't the farewell episode and it was a bit more punchy with a story, maybe it wouldn't have looked as good or got affected us in such a way. Or It's the best-looking best acted piece of fluff you'll ever see <laughs> if, if you see it's what tinsel. i mean <laughs> yeah bit of tinsel yeah yeah mm. so that pretty much wraps up that story for me yep i guess dave for you and i we will revisit capaldi one more time and we'll revisit undoubtedly moffat one more time in future episodes <laughs> okay <laughs> Because everybody else has. Uh, look, we could do it now. Peter Campoli, I would have loved to have seen more of you. I'd have loved to have seen more stories that utilised him as such an excellent performer as he did this episode. Agreed. Rather than a season of trying to do the Colin Baker thing again and making yourself unlikable. Mm. Being dark and moody may be more fun to act, I don't know. But in terms of sheer performance, I've enjoyed this and I've enjoyed things like the Not On My Watch speech where he's involved and engaged in the human race far more than things like Kill the Moon or Forest of the Night, where he just throws his hands in the air and goes, I'm the Doctor, I'm an alien, I don't want to be touched. I'm Sheldon Cooper, I'm going away. I feel we've had a lot of wasted potential with Peter Capaldi. 
not Peter Capaldi's fault. I would love to see more of him. But mm-hmm. conversely, with the Moffat era, and I do not mean it nastily, everything's had its time, and I think we're about done with it. I think certain elements of the world have run dry, just through maybe fatigue. Mm-hmm. We've been doing it for six years, and so, hey, leave the dead alone. Yeah, <laughs> indeed. I also feel that there was a lot more potential to Capaldi that we didn't see. Yeah. I'm sorry that he never got his wish to be reunited with Susan in the show. Yep. Although he did get some of his own lines in the Doctor's farewell speech, which was nice, although incomprehensible. I still don't get the thing about kids know my name when the stars are right. <laughs> so. I wonder if David Bradley is effectively his seeing Susan. If you think about it, if mm. no one was up to say, yes, let's recast the first Doctor the closest you could come to revisiting this element of the Doctor's past would be to get Caroline forwarded and play a scene against her. And maybe this is the equivalence of that. I thought about that too. I was going to ask you, if we couldn't have had Bradley, who else could you have done this with? And I wonder whether they could have got Sean Pertwee in to play his dad. No. Why not? You've got a Doctor who's away for his regeneration. He's a little bit sexist. He's got lots of white curly hair, just like Capaldi. Writes itself. I think the problem is twofold. I think we're finishing off, but you're going to get me started again. I think (laughs) um, in fandom there is a lot of, shall we say, anti-Pertwee sentiment from the revisionist efforts of Paul Connell and people way back in the 90s who actually turned around and said, hey, he is sexist. Hey, he is this moral character. And I think if you had... Pertwee's doctor with his big bouffant and Capaldi's doctor with his new bouffant, they would bump off each other in a not pleasant way. And while I have issues with how they've done Bradley's portrayal of the caricature of the first doctor, the interaction between the first doctor and Capaldi's doctor was wonderful to watch and they played it so well, two good actors sparking off each other. I think the dynamic with a third Doctor would not as worked as well. I wish Bradley's Doctor had stood on his glasses. Yes, but Pertwee's Doctor would have. And then <laughs> the dynamic would have been different, and I think the dynamic worked well for the, the way this is meant to be a coda. Hello, dear listener. It's Dave from the future here with Dave's Conspiracy Corner. While I was editing this episode, and I had a bit of a chance to rethink about Peter's question about Pertwee, and it made me think of something which, unfortunately, Peter's not had the chance to comment or critique. So all this craziness is just me. Hartnell's sexism in this episode is potentially a bit of a straw man because he's a bit of an affable and easy way to acknowledge and easily dismiss sexism in the history of the show because he was a grumpy old git from the black and white telly days, a bit like your racist grandmother. But it draws attention away from other more modern elements of sexism in the show, such as Pertwee's patriarchal nature or the poor treatment of Perry during the JNT Eric Saywood era, which, as they're more modern and in colour, are a lot harder to cope with and to dismiss and deal with. So we can joke about smack bottoms, but it's hard to actually have a laugh at throttling your companion. You must appreciate this is me riffing, but it's just something that struck me, and I thought I'd just drop it in. Something for, some food for thought. Merry Christmas. I would like to see Pertwee's Doctor return to the series. I think the campaign has to start here. Let's make it happen. <laughs> Anyone wishing to join Peter's uh, campaign? 
I'm usually the one with the lost causes, Peter. Jeez. <laughs> you can join us on our Facebook page. You can tweet us on Sofagedon. <laughs> and we have a WordPress site, um, Sofagedon at wordpress.com, where all our podcasts are hosted. Uh, we have iTunes page. We also have another podcast revisiting the 80s run of the IPC Eagle magazine, Where Eagles Dare. And with no further ado, it's a happy new year for me. And it's a farewell 2017 for me. Good night. Good night. Merry Christmas. I love you. Happy Christmas. You love me. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas.